0: Seven minutes past six, uh, through with you until seven. This is The Weekend View. My name is Stephen Kirker, standing in for Elvis Presley. a very good morning to you. And, yes, we will be getting some more reaction on that Mbongi and uh, what it means as well in terms of how significant is having an Mbongi at State of the Nation. And uh, some people have... Perhaps su- suggested that, that uh, it's not the right occasion to have an Mbongi. A couple of questions we'll be um, speaking about here on The Weekend View. But we'll also be chatting to um, uh, Gift uh, Haka, who coached the South African under-19 women's side. He's uh, all about developing young cricketers. Yeah. That comes up. Uh, some insights into cricket, where we come from, where we could possibly go. But our talking point this morning, yeah, give this some thoughts. So president Silurama laid out something of a vision for South Africa in his State of the Nation Address and what mechanisms will be used to get there. Now, apart from building a city from nothing, which may be a bit of a stretch right now, given the huge debt problems government must now deal with, the president indicated that uh, there will be a drive to get the economy going. Now, we've heard that before. He's also said that the private sector has already started doing its bit in helping kickstart that vision. Now, only time will tell whether the bold talk of getting economic growth where it needs to be to slash the country's unemployment rate will get us there. So think about that. And they've won Africa's biggest tournament before, but what chances do Bafana Bafana have at the African Cup of Nations this year? they are drawn in Group D with Morocco, Namibia and Côte d'Ivoire, who they meet first tomorrow afternoon. Now, just qualifying was something of an achievement, given some prior disappointments. Stuart Baxter's charges are certainly not amongst the favourites for the tournament. They're ranked as uh, 14th on the continent, and Dean Furman has admitted as much, but... What are you feeling more hopeful about this Saturday morning? Yeah, come on, a bit of hope. Uh, Maybe you think both are possible. Between the president's upbeat vision for South Africa and the country's chances at AFCON, what are you more hopeful about? And uh, also, why? It's uh, quite a simple question, isn't it? Uh, What are you feeling more optimistic about? Uh, The country's future, as mapped out by the president in his State of the Nation address or Bafana Bafana's chances in Egypt at the African Cup of Nations. You can share your views with us. 41391 is the SMS line number. 41391 charged at 150 per SMS. Your WhatsApp messages on voice notes two six nine two three nine zero nine. Or post your comments on Twitter at the, weekend view, at the Weekend View, or Facebook on The Weekend View using the hashtag The Weekend View. Uh, talk to us on this Saturday morning about your feelings hopeful or not hopeful now let's take a look at the weather heavy rain uh, leading to localised floodings expected over the Cape Winelands over Bergen Cape Metropole of the Western Cape on Saturday morning that's a warning from the South African Weather Service also gale to strong gale force westerly to southwesterly westerly winds um, expected along the coastal regions between Cape Agulhas and Port Alfred. A storm surge expected between Saldana Bay and Plettenberg Bay. High seas with wave heights of 6 to 9 meters expected between Cape Columbine and Plettenberg Bay. Otherwise, it's mainly sunny over the interior of the country. Uh, Pretoria 621, Johannesburg 320, Finnegan 219, Bombella 824, um Poliquani will be partly cloudy later but also fine to begin with 820 sunny skies in Mahikeng um for also Freiburg, 320 Blum for an 18 Kimberley 3 and 17 Uppington partly cloudy in the morning and uh, fine also later 517 yeah moving down to the Western Eastern Cape yeah you can expect uh, the Wintry, wet, windy conditions. Cape Town: cloudy, scattered showers, light to, to moderate southwesterly to southerly. Eleven fifteen. George: cloudy, widespread showers and thunder showers, strong westerly to northwesterly. Twelve seventeen. Port Elizabeth: fine at first, otherwise partly cloudy, becoming cloudy in the evening, scattered showers and thunder showers. Wind moderate northwesterly, becoming strong midday, but strong to gale force westerly. Um, in the evening, 10 to 20. East London, fine, becoming partly cloudy in the afternoon. The wind, light to moderate westerly, becoming strong overnight, 1624. Uh, moving up into KwaZulu Natal, where it's expected to be sunny in Durban, with uh, the wind gentle northwesterly at first, otherwise moderate westerly to southwesterly, 1225. Also sunny in Richards Bay, gentle to moderate northerly to northwesterly, 1625. And sunny too for Peter Maritzburg, 4 and 25. Here, there, and everywhere. Where?
1: SAFM, one oh five point six FM in Tata.
0: Overcrowding at Gauteng State Hospitals raised concerns about the adequate provision of healthcare services and the potential spread of disease. Timbisa and Kopanong hospitals have admitted uh, that uh, the facilities are overcrowded due to the increasing demand for healthcare services. Meanwhile, Nurses Union, the nurses, called on its members to withdraw their labour until the issue is resolved. So like Kodashe, uh, takes a look.
2: The time we got here, it was fully packed fully packed. They just told us that just look for a place to sit that's where you're going to sleep because we don't have enough beds. We were more than 106. We are using one toilet out of 100, 106 people. All, all of us, we are pregnant. Some of them are in critical uh, situation. When somebody left the bed, you just jump in without changing the linen. on Wednesday. I lana able to get a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a little bit a Ward 13, one of the most crowded facilities at Tembisa Hospital. With a capacity of 51 beds, the ward often experiences an influx of patients ranging from 60 and spills over into the hundreds. The hospital, which delivers an average of 1,400 babies per month, does so with only four midwives. Staff at the hospital relay tales of how some patients are housed on the floors when they have reached capacity. Acting CEO at the hospital, Dr. Ridlebu Hilen highlights the extent of the dilemma. In labor ward, currently we, we have one midwife for about five patients. But what is ideal is that you actually need two midwives... Per patient, And then when you're looking at antenatal ward, we have four midwives, which means that each midwife looks after plus minus 10 patients. And this is not the only hospital to experience overcrowding. Gauteng Health Department's Macy Lirutla also painted a bleak picture of the situation at Kopanong Hospital in Fierinicheng.
3: We have challenges of high numbers of mental health care patients that are seen. And as a result of that, the hospital finds itself with more mental health care patients than they can manage in relation to the number of beds. We've seen very high numbers of male patients with mental health care challenges. The hospital has a 30-bedded ward, but unfortunately, in many instances, the numbers are far higher.
2: Nurses' union, Denosa says an urgent solution should be found to the deterioration of services at Skopanong Hospital. Denosa city Wing chairperson, Sabata Tekiso, says the casualty section of the hospital is constantly overcrowded and there's a shortage of beds.
4: We have only six beds for consultation of patients in casualty, but at times you find out the structures that are put in casualty to accommodate more. There are also psychotic patients, amongst those who are put in, then the situation becomes chaotic. There are incidents like patients falling, other patients uh, fighting others because they are agitated.
2: Department of Health HOD Professor Mkululi Lukele says currently there is no public hospital in the country that does not face overcrowding. Lukele, however, says the department is making strides in tackling the problem.
5: We have as a department, for instance, accident in emergencies. And we've also prioritized maternal and neonatal, which is where the, the challenges are. So, with the resources which we have, we have redirected and prioritized that uh, we increase the human resource uh, at, at those uh, levels.
2: Meanwhile, the expecting mothers at Tembisa Hospital say they hope to be discharged with healthy babies after the ordeal. Zole Gakwodashim in Johannesburg.
0: Yeah, just one of the challenges, and I think it's echoed all around the country um, with the, the future um, dealing with the health care issues. Anyway, President Sir Ramaphosa mapped out uh, a future, an optimistic future in his mind. Perhaps he didn't uh, provide as much hope. There's some criticism of what he had to say, inevitably, from opposition parties and others. But uh, how hopeful are you? Um, He's got a job to do. His team has got a job to do. And hopefully, all together, we can uh, take this country forward and make it grow. But what are you more hopeful about? Uh, President's upbeat vision of South Africa or our chances in football at the African Cup of Nations? Give that some thought and let us know here on The Weekend View what you think and perhaps why. All right, talking about hope. While well, all hope is gone, as far as the uh, cricket World Cup is uh, concerned, South Africa's dreams of making it to the knockout stage are over. The Proteas never showed any signs of making it out of the blocks from their first game. Yeah, it was. It's been dire to help us look at the Proteas' dismal World Cup performance. Um, we're joined on the line by former South African junior selector and coach Gift. Uh, Okay. Gift, uh, thank you very much for your time this morning. Of course, you f- fundamentally as, as, as a sports fan would have been supremely disappointed uh, with the way things went in uh, Great Britain with the Proteas. Just look back and thank you again to what your feelings were about the team before we went to the tournament. I mean, how, how good did you feel about the, the, the players who were selected and the kind of form they were in?
6: Uh, Good morning, Stephen. Yes, look, it was, we we didn't have expectations about South Africa making it through, especially in this World Cup. Uh, The the team dynamics uh, before the the announcement, or even when they announced the team, you can see that we are a team that left to the World Cup without the reserve keeper, you know, a specialist wicket keeper. Uh, They had to put David Miller as a specialist wicket keeper, which, which, you know, raised a few questions as well. Um, you look at the bowling, which we, we took Devine to 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 England with that injury, which didn't make sense, you know, to 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 anyone. You look at us going with uh, no specialist number three batsman. Again, the balance there is lost. You look at us going with uh, you know with the finishers that are more of bowling all-rounders than batting all-rounders. Either the dynamics of the team, the form of some of the players was very questionable. Some of the players that um, that made the team. And again, but you have to ask yourself a question, who else is performing? Mm.
7: Uh,
6: yes, I, I don't think our system is producing enough players that are performing at, at, at international level. So we can look at it two ways. Yes, some of the players' form where, you know, we're not on point. And, but the question is, who else was performing? Who else was putting up their hands and saying, I, I, I want to be selected as well?
0: So in other words, we, we shouldn't really be too surprised by the fact that the Proteus aren't going to make it into the, you know, the, the, the knockout phase. Perhaps there's also been a, a problem with the quality of the performance. But you, you brought up a very interesting point. Perhaps we're not creating the players. And of course, this is the area you work in with young players. And you've had success with bringing young players forward. And you have coached the SA under-19 women's at an international level. So you have that experience. Fundamentally, what are the problems in, you know, getting enough cricketers through who are at a level who ultimately can compete successfully at an international level, do you think?
6: I think the the system with six franchises, uh, it's not giving enough players an opportunity to compete. You know, it's very limited. Uh, I'm glad CFA announced that it 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 will revert back to, you know, twelve provinces in in, in, in a year or two from now. That that will give more players an opportunity to perform at high level. That will give selectors an opportunity to look at more players. You know, it, we, at under-19 level, at, uh, at you know SAA and all of that, you've got good players coming through. But when it comes to that gap between international cricket and you know and uh, that 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 SAA or franchise level, is, it's huge. You need to have proper systems there. You need to have your SAA players playing more games abroad, playing more against your international, you know, other SAA, I mean, other A teams from other countries. Uh, I was watching the, actually, following the SAA, the England, uh, not England, India, A versus Pakistan,
7: mm-hmm. they've
6: players that are scoring runs there already, you know. At one stage, there was a partnership of about 300 between those two openers. Now you're starting to wonder if the, current Indian openers are going to retire. You know, those two are coming in. It's going to be massive as well. Who do we have in South Africa? Because we're, still, we're talking of one player. You know, Aidan makram is the future. de Cock is the future. Who else? Who else is the, else is the future? So the, the problem, I think, is that after the under-19, when the boys are down with FA under-19 and that stuff, and they're going to the semi pro level, nobody actually, you know, bring those players through or fast-track them in the system. You know, it's a method of, oh, they play, you know, let's give them more game time. By the time we, we wake up, you know, those guys are, are gone. Some are gone. To call parks, some are not mm-hmm. interested in playing cricket anymore. So th- there should be a system where, you know, we keep track of those players and we fast-track them. If they're good enough, fast-track them. A, a typical example, Kaffee and Aiden Markham. You I mean you can't tell me that out of you know, those under 19 teams, we only have two players that are good enough? What happened to the rest of the players?
0: Good point. Yeah. Thank you very much to former South African junior select and coach Gift. Uh, okay. He also works um, in the development of cricket in Gauteng and on a national basis, specifically with young women. And he talks about uh, under-19s. In fact, the South African under-19 team is in action today against the Pakistan under-19s. It's going to be interesting to see how that goes. 23 minutes past six with The Weekend View.
1: SAFM.
0: Now, a recent study conducted by the Thomson Reuters Foundation found that South Africa comes third in Africa after Egypt and Nigeria as the best place to be a social entrepreneur. As we celebrate Youth Month today, we put the spotlight on youth unemployment in SA and the possible solutions. Now, the president uh, did call the high unemployment rate among the youth, a national crisis. Nearly five out of 10, he said, or over 55%, thereabouts of young people out of work. Now, could social entrepreneurship offer a solution? For more on this, I spoke to Gugu Njadu, who's spokesperson for the 2019 Entrepreneur of the Year competition, which is sponsored by Sunlam and Business Partners, and began by asking her to take us through the findings of that Thomson Reuters Foundation report.
8: I think the reality is in South Africa, just if I can start, we, we have a challenge of entrepreneurship. People don't necessarily see their ideas coming into fruition. They talk about money that's, that's not available to help them take their businesses forward. But I think what this report from Thompson's rate and the reality is we're not necessarily top of the league because, we are at the bottom of the list, but we are number two in Africa. There's also, like, Nigeria on the list, and they are better than us in other instances. The reality is, as a country, we face a lot of challenges, and many of them are community challenges that we see every day. We see people in Alexandria. they are highlighting some of the challenges that are in their community. You look at rural areas, there's is issues that entrepreneurs they face and the reality with social entrepreneurship is that you look at social problems and then you say what are the entrepreneurial solutions that i can bring to my community and in the process i'm benefiting my community but i'm also benefiting because i'm profiting from from providing those solutions
0: okay so we're second in africa but a long way behind being in a position where you know people are embracing this i mean obviously I mean, from my mind, we all want to make as much money as possible. That's the fundamental thing. So why should people be looking within their communities and around them to become social entrepreneurs as opposed to, say, you know, the next huge tycoon who runs a corporation? I mean, everyone sort of has big dreams. I mean, how do we sort of get people and uh, encourage them and mentor them to start creating these opportunities within their communities?
8: I think the reality is everyone wants to be this big tycoons, everyone wants to be to create this unicorn company that grows so fast. The reality of the matter is there is not that many opportunities for that to happen. And if you look at our country then and you look at what are the challenges that we face, the the president yesterday in his State of the Nation address spoke about how government needs to prioritize human settlement. So if you look at that as an entrepreneurial person, you can say, how can I then, as a small business, feed into that value chain? What services can I provide? Because they are not necessarily big ideas that I can run right now. But I see an opportunity for me in this social problem. That's why we're saying that social entrepreneurship is a potential like, avenue that entrepreneurs can can explore in their communities. Because you are not only benefiting yourself, you still create the profits, but you are benefiting your community. And I think that's the focus that we're, we're trying to emphasize of course there is people who still need to run businesses that are try, that are high impact businesses that are going to create more even more jobs but the reality is at community level there's not that many opportunities for you to create those type of businesses and we are saying start in 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 your community start small in some instances so that you can then Get the support and, and 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 the opportunities that are available to you. And if I can just go to the report a bit, uh, Stephen, what where we as South Africa topped in in terms of of, of that list was where we we're saying actually the social entrepreneurs in our country do realize that South Africa can sell social entrepreneurs. In, in South Africa can sell to the public, so they saw we were number four out of the forty five countries in the report that's where we topped the list if, if you look at it and in front of us is the u s Australia and mexico and I think if they they see the opportunity to sell to the public then Potentially, that's where the government should be providing the support. And we are number 39 then when it comes to grant funding that's available to, to these entrepreneurs. So we just need to make sure that we, we then balance the two, balance the support that we give those social entrepreneurs with the opportunities that they perceive to be out there.
0: That's uh, Gugum Mjadu, who's spokesperson for the 2019 Entrepreneur of the Year competition. That conversation went on a bit more and we discuss specifically South Africa and the South African situation and uh, what the possibilities are and also the outlook for the future. And uh, you will be able to get that on our podcast. Um, we'll be podcasting the whole of that chat uh, a little bit later. You can check that out. We're talking point uh, today was on how hopeful are you feeling about A, the Bafana Bafana's chances at AFCON. They kick off uh, against uh, the Côte d'Ivoire in the group game, or about the vision of South Africa that uh, President Ramaphosa mapped out. Uh, Nazim Khruatboum says, To tell the truth, at my age right now, I have no hope at all. Uh, Sona 19, president after president is promising us what they can't deliver. Will Ramaphosa be after 10 years? He's just dreaming for his stomach and family. Um, and as far as Bafana Bafana... It says, Bafana have a good chance to go all the way and win it again, but they must work hard. So, differing views. Yeah, you can also join in that conversation. Which one are you feeling more hopeful about? Uh, Hilton Morris says, the ANC can't even create a car or a bicycle. How are they going to create cities? Anyway, it's time for our consumer slot. And uh, the South African Banking Risk Information Center warned South Africans to be aware of vishing attacks. The center says this is where unsuspecting victims are lured into disclosing personal information by fraudsters who pose as bank or service providers to steal money. Uh, Let's now speak to uh, Sabric CEO, Kalyani Pillay. Good morning to you. Thank you for the time this morning. And uh, I read about this. I mean, there are crooks everywhere and they will try everything to get into your money. You've put out this warning as Sabric How prevalent, I mean, you must have seen instances of this. You know, what is the situation at the moment?
9: Well, look, our banks are certainly seeing this all the time. It's it's extremely prevalent, like, you know, we've seen with phishing, uh, which is still very much around as well. But the perpetrators, of uh, uh, you know, they move uh, using different modus operandi to try and get uh, bank customers to provide them with the information that they require and what they're looking for is your personal information. They're looking for your confidential bank information like your your logon details, your CVV number, your bank card number, your expiry date, you know, that kind of thing. And unfortunately, uh, bank customers are, um, you know, they're not identifying that these are actually scams and they're providing this information. And that's why we thought, you know, we've seen this prevalence Let's go out and issue an alert again. We do it all the time just to remind everybody that, you know, they, they need to be suspicious. Rather, rather err uh, on the side of being suspicious. For one, I think, Stephen, it's so important for everyone to know, and an easy thing to know, that your bank will never call you and ask you to confirm all your bank card details and your logon details and your password and your pin number. Never, ever. For future purposes, the bank would contact you to ask you to come in to verify, uh, you know, certain information that's required in terms of the act. But they'll never over the phone ask you for the other information. So never give it to anybody. Mm. Absolutely no one. It's interesting
0: mm. you say that. I mean, I've, I've had conversations and, and legitimate ones where I've been yeah. asked for some information. But I've said, listen, I, 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 you know, I'm a bit unsure about your bona fides. Yes. But I, I've sort of come up with my own couple of questions to try and establish some sort of um, bona fides. You, you know, is right. that you say banks will, will never do that, but as I say, in that situation, I mean, you never know what happens. You phoned with a query, someone phones you back. It's easy sometimes if you have lodged something to be, you know, because you, if you have had a legitimate problem. And are are these completely even, random or are some people.
9: They, they will not ever
0: ask you
9: for your bank PIN number for your card or your password. You know, those are kind of things that they will not ask you. They won't ask you for your CVV number. They won't ask you. You know, those are the kinds of information that should already start giving you an alert that this is a problem. You know, so you put the phone down immediately. If it's somebody who purports to be from the bank, safest way, Put the phone down. Call the bank yourself and ask to speak to someone. If you have an account manager, even better. And speak to them. Use a number that you know of your banking institution. Don't take anything off a of communication that you receive, whether by SMS or email or or phone call. You know, rather just err on the side of being over cautious. Because this is what's happening, unfortunately, you know they they use social engineering tactics. Mm. They play on people's emotions. Let me give you a quick example so your listeners can actually get a sense of of, of what happens. You may get a call purporting to be from a bank saying, "Look, we have just picked up that there's fraudulent transaction about to happen on your account, X amount of money, and of course it will be an amount that any amount for that matter. We don't want anyone to steal our money, right?" but it will be an amount that will give you such a shock, that you panic. So that's part of the social engineering already. They're manipulating you emotionally. And they say, but in order for us to actually stop this
2: transaction... We need all your details. We need all
9: this. And then the person's panicking, and they start providing all this information. We say, put the phone down, call your bank, call the call center of the bank. You know, the bank would contact you if there was something fraudulent happening and to verify. I mean, we get these calls all the time to verify whether a transaction is ours or not, which is part of the mechanism the bank has in place. All you have to do is verify yes or no. You're not asked for all those other bits of information.
0: Sure, yeah. That's uh, Sabarek's CEO Kalianya Pillay. Thank you very much for that. Never, ever Give those details out. Your CVV number, that's like uh, giving away a gold mine. Well, I suppose if you're one of these rich people, in my case, uh, you get my CVV number and you will end up uh, with a lot of debt to pay. Thank you very much. You can do that.
1: At SFM Radio and at Stephen Kirker on Twitter.
0: Twenty one minutes to seven. And uh, yes, yeah, standing in for Elvis Presley this morning. Now, most opposition parties expressed disappointment with President Cyril Ramaphosa's State of the Nation address. Both the DA and the EFF accused the president of presenting a dream without concrete implementation plans. The ANC, however, says the president's dream is the nation's dream. Joseph Macias spoke with some of the parties and compiled this report. While the president articulated his dream of the South
1: Africa he would like to see, opposition parties pounced on that to criticize his speech. DA leader Musi Maimane says the president failed to say what is going to be done practically to address the problems the country faces. The president didn't give a plan. He instead described the challenges of South Africa's but really no tangible plans. There was no tangible plan on rural safety, no tangible plan on what are we gonna do at ESCOM. More rhetoric coming from the president talking about In fact, a different departure even from February, where he talked about unbundling. This time around, he's speaking about a stimulus plan that goes into that. EFF President Julius Malema was mostly concerned that the president did not outline what was going to happen to plans for the expropriation of land without compensation. The ANC has abandoned the agenda to expropriate land without compensation because they make black people stupid. They used it during elections. The elections are over. Instead of expropriating land without compensation, the president is daydreaming. He comes here to tell us about his dreams. The man wanted to be president for more than three decades. He still doesn't know what he wants to do for South Africa. FF Plus leader Peter Grunewald also expressed frustration that while the president outlined some good programs, he failed to outline how this would be achieved. He doesn't come forward with concrete Uh, ways how we're going to obtain these objectives. Yes, he's got a couple of things he's mentioned uh, to say there should be cooperation between the private sector, the government and even the trade unions. But the fact of the matter is that if he does not curb the powers of uh, the unions in South Africa, we won't have that progress. The parties also expressed disappointment that the president is going to pour more money into ESCOM without a clear plan of how to get it out of its troubles. ANC Secretary General Aisma Khashule says the president could not outline details in his speech as these will be provided by ministers.
5: We as a party will be monitoring and making sure that there are clear timelines and uh, we are very, very, very encouraged and motivated and inspired.
0: That's uh, Ace Khashule, the ANC Secretary-General, ending that report by Joseph Messia in Parliament. Uh, for more on this, we're joined on the line by political analyst Reabojo uh, Kualoa to speak about that. Reactions from opposition parties and reactions from the ANC, it's always a difficult political balancing act, uh, delivering a state-of-the-nation address. What did you make of uh, the president's speech and the balance it took?
3: Most of the time that is the case, and thank you very much for the opportunity, Stephen. When we look at opposition parties, particularly after the State of the Nation address, um, you never know whether we were all listening to the same speech or listening to a different speech. Sure. But it is it is a, mis- a mixed bag of, 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 of reaction, and one can truly appreciate that because in essence when we look at um the outlines which the president um articulated to the country and having started off as saying um having 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 campaigned and going out uh, on the ground and listening to uh what people needed and 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 then and and what needs to be achieved, um, and also um, indicating that this was not only done by by the governing party, but also uh, opposition parties. Also in their campaign trail, um, they also went down to the ground and listened to the people in order to establish what is it that are most uh, confronting issues uh, facing the nation currently. And if you look at one, um, uh, if you look at the seven key priorities which the president outlined, I think it it it, it tried to balance. Uh, what what one might say are challenges faced in the country, but having said that also um looking into the speech um, in its totality, I think the most important thing that the president concentrated on was the fact that um, the impediment of economic growth um, will make it much rather difficult uh, for achieving some of the things that needs to be achieved in order to answer to the call which the nation has asked the president to do. But overall um, I think in terms of what was needed to be addressed in the state of the nation address uh, the president tried by all means to answer to that but um, in terms of what was said by opposition parties if you take the Democratic Alliance, for instance, um, the president having sold a dream, uh, one might say uh, perhaps the Democratic Alliance chose to, re- to, to, to relate more to the building of uh, what he said was his vision or his dream in terms of a smart uh, city, building Mm. a smart city, more than um, having uh, taken it from the beginning of the speech or the middle of the speech, which uh, the president delivered to the country.
0: Well, I mean, we're always only going to hear what we think we want to hear or want to hear. (laughs) One of the criticisms, of course, is lacked substance. I mean, is it that important for a State of the Nation address? Or is it uh, fair enough that we hear more of the substance later? Or, you know, do we end up been a time a year down the line and say well you said this a year ago and we never saw any substance
3: this is in fact um, one of I think this is where it gets confused most of the time the state of the nation address it just took place the 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 status we find ourselves in as a country um more concrete plans i think those can be um ventilated um for instance in the question and answer session that is to come up if 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 more charity is needed i mean parties can put that forth to the president but if one looks at the state of 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 the nation address in totality it's just to map out a way forward for the country and um i think it is incumbent upon um opposition parties to hold the president to account um on what was said but more so um what what is to come out of the question and answer session uh, to say that within a space of, of 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 10 years which the president had indicated that it is a priority for government to 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 ensure that poverty inequality and unemployment are addressed adequately to answer to the uh, uh, social ills that are facing the country currently. And it is uh, been incumbent upon the, the, the uh, opposition parties to hold the, 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 the president account to say um, this is what we expected or what we need uh, to be done within a year or so, or, or, or p- perhaps rather impose those timelines which they felt that the president should have indicated in, in, in the, nation of, in the, in the uh, state of the nation address. But like I say, when we speak of the state of the nation address, not so much uh, going into uh, the timeframes and the timelines, but I think these are the type of questions that can be imposed on him and later on hold him to account to say, this should have happened upon what you had said, we would find ourselves as a country.
0: Rabaka Karwate, political analyst. Thank you very much to her early on this Saturday morning, speaking to The Weekend View, 13 minutes to six. And, uh, yeah, if you are feeling hopeful about that vision, uh, the president... Presented. Let us know here on The Weekend View, asking you whether you're hopeful about the President's vision and uh, whether you're hopeful about Bafana Bafana's chances to the African Cup of Nations. Uh, get in touch with us. And staying with that, at least two native uh, language speakers, I've probably butchered that, have accused poet and rapper Bradley Van Siddes of speaking gibberish when ushering in President Soroma Ramaphosa before the State of the Nation Address. Uh, Van Sidders made history when he became the first Khoi praise singer uh, to bring the President in before the address, uh, native uh, Kwa, Kwa Hwab speaker Lame Hasweb and uh San, language board member, will even tomorrow say, although some words used in the praise song were accurate, no sentences made any coherent sense. Now, our reporter, Naya Burumela, caught up with Bradley Pansittas, and uh, this is what he had to say.
7: Uh, what actually happened was, um, me, I'm a third language, uh, I'm, in a, I'm a third language speaker, right? Uh, it's not my first language. So I can understand if first language speakers are saying, ah, he didn't say that right or this right. I understand that. And I think they also need to understand that I never claimed to be a first language speaker. It was history. It was the first time for uh, the language to be bouncing off the walls in Parliament and mm-hmm. for the parliamentarians to actually say this word, you know, if I can finish with this, yes. I won't take a of time. Uh, the words that I said, those are words that I got from Namibia. Mm. Those are words that the Namibians taught me there when I, was, uh, when I was living there. And it means, creator, help us to unite for our heritage. Mm. So this is a moment to be united and mm. not to look at ways of separating.
0: We were actually hoping to speak to um, Willem Damara, the language board member, just to get some insight on that it was going to be an interesting topic because of the, you know, my, from what I know about the mixture of languages. But anyway, we move on with this. And to, to talk about the role of the Mbongi or pricing, we're joined on the line by um, expert Mlawu uh, Techeka. Thank you for speaking to us today. The, the Mbongi, from an African perspective, I mean, some people have criticized, the, you know, if this is the right place to have an Mbongi, you know, at the beginning of a State of the Nation address. So give us a bit of a background as to what the Mbongi traditionally is and when the Mbongi traditionally is used.
4: Thank you very much uh, for the question. Uh, One thing I can say, it simply shows that people would not love to see any change, any transformation.
8: Mm.
4: If, for example, what they know is that for anything that you do, it has to be uh, done in a certain way. So if there are any uh, ways, new uh, innovations of accommodating other cultures, that is the problem the people have. Because this was to accommodate other cultures not to have that stereotype English culture all the time in an African country. Right. One thing that I can tell you is that Mbongi has to do the praise singing before any person of uh, stature so as to One, motivate the people to listen to the speech or to the person who's going to talk. Two, to try and unravel some of the things that people might expect to hear from this person. And as you praise the person, You have to allude to all these attributes that makes him a good leader. And remember, what the Imbong says is something that is taken from the society itself. He is not saying something that he thinks it is there or it is like that. But he listens to the people. What are the people saying about this person? So, as he praises now, he is exposing all that.
0: Sure. Now, interesting thing you say, you know, in terms of a a leader with stature. And, of course, I suppose this is where people are getting confused. And Uh, the whole thing is, the whole idea of this Western-style democracy, which we now have, which now gives us uh, a president... Who is our leader? he's our leader, but he's not an inkosi he's not a, a king you know is that a problem i mean to my to my mind, but then I am a Western person I'm going, well, he is the leader, so therefore <laughs> I would understand um having an imbongi bring him in, and some people may be the, saying, well he's not you know royalty, he's not the, a chief
4: the, the, there is a distortion yeah uh, in understanding who is to be praised. Mm. Imbongi can praise an animal. Imbongi can praise even a boy who has done excellently. Imbongi can praise a leader. leader can be a political one, can be a religious one, as long as he is a person of stature, sure, then he can be Mongrat. So don't confuse things by thinking that the only person to be praised is a king or a chief. That is not true.
0: Right. The other thing I just finally I want to ask you about is. The whole thing about the language issue. There was, we were, wanted to unpack the language issue a bit more. But in terms of, I mean, we're a multi... Uh, our so that, South Africa has many, many different. Uh, we've got eleven official languages. We've got uh, dialects, and of course, twelve. Y- yeah, and, and and the whole thing is, why should the praise singer, you know, be? praising the president in his language. I mean, is that also something which is, you know, a misconception? I mean, ultimately, we should be celebrating. I'd be interested in your point of view. Let me give
4: you an example. Mm. Uh, I can't remember the year, but King George visited South Africa. And King George was in English. Prince, uh, yeah, King George. Uh, coming from England, ne? visited South Africa. And there is a Mbongi called uh, S.E.K. Mkai who praised uh, him as he was coming. And he was praising in the language of the Mbongi. He was praising in his own language. He did not pretend and praise uh, this uh, uh, leader using the English language that the person understands. Remember, when you bonga, it's an impetus. It's something that is coming from within. And it doesn't have to have barriers, language barriers. You have to say what you feel.
0: Uh- we're going to have to leave it there. Mlawu Tcheka is um, an expert on language and, of course, culture, speaking about the role of the Mbongi. Finally, on the weekend view, it's anyone's guess who will replace National Freedom Party leader Zanela Kwamagwazam Sibi in the National Assembly after her resignation. There were reports that the NFP reshuffled its list following its poor performance during last month's general elections. Kwamagwazam Sibi resigned from parliament, citing ill health as one of the reasons. Uh, Kwamagwazam Sibi was the deputy minister of science and technology from 2014 to 2019. Usi
10: Makosini reports. Kwama Sibi has been frail since she suffered a stroke in 2014. Although she later returned to the National Assembly and was also seen during the NFP's election campaign, she had not recovered fully. She has now bowed out of parliament, citing her health as one of the reasons. NFP spokesperson Simon Kwanazi explains the reason for Kamakwazam CB's resignation as a member of parliament.
5: The president of the NFP, Honorable Zanela Kamakwazam CB, has sent her a letter of resignation from parliament that is with intentions to actually focus on the party and considering that maybe it was in due time for her to actually uh, consider the retirement there are many reasons which one can consider uh, but amongst many it was actually to take rest considering the health of the president but amongst that rather amongst other reasons she felt that it's time for her to actually retire after having been the deputy minister
10: but who will replace kamakozam sibi in parliament is anyone's guess it could be the person who is second on the party's candidate list. The NFP, however, earlier said it had reshuffled its list considering its performance during the elections. Imam Sheikh Mansur was second on the candidate list sent to the IEC leading up to the elections. Last month, the NFP was taken to court when it tried to remove Natal Chairperson Vizam Lojwa from its list to the provincial legislature. Mkwanazi explains.
5: Just after elections, the NEC or the National Freedom Party NEC took a resolution to actually revisit the list and reshuffle the list. And in that process, the EMEG decided that they would be the one who will actually choose whom would go to parliament to actually represent the party, uh, considering the number of seats in which we were able to attain. So the NEC will sit and discuss and we expect every member of the National Freedom Party to actually abide by that decision. Whoever is seem to be Jew or whoever feels that he's deemed fit to be the one uh, to present in Parliament, if he is sent, he must then go there and represent the agenda of the party. And if the NSC decide otherwise with all the other leaders, they decide otherwise. That person will be expected to actually uh, comply with the decision of the NSC because. Whoever Timu himself to be a member of the National Party must as well comply or adhere to the constitution and the resolutions of the high leadership. That's what we suggest and we expect. But for now, there is no name that has been pronounced.
10: Another puzzle is whether Gamakozamsebi Sebi will avail herself for re-election during the party's planned national elective conference in December or whether she will retire from politics altogether. I am Vusi Kosini in Deben.
0: So some final comments from you, uh, Senele Mazibuko in Marisburg says, Morning, Mr. President was dreaming there weren't going to be job increase, but there will be a fuel increase. And on Bafana, they won't make it. They will end in group stages. They're losers. Thanks. Mm. Hashtag bunch of losers from uh, Mateus Pongani Bulunga. Bafana, Bafana will be coming back home very soon. And as South Africans, we need to stop celebrating failure like some of us did when Banyana Banyana came back from the Women's World Cup. Let's just call a spade a spade. Mm. Thanks for that. Uh, thanks for tuning into The Weekend View. T- thank you to the teams, Susanda Jonas and Maroma Kakana. Technical producer, Mark Prella. Evelyn Tongwane, our senior producer. EP is Aubrey Satchia. And uh, coming up is the Jet Set Breakfast. Uh, some fun on a Saturday morning with Michelle Constant. That comes up after the news with Jualani Tulo.